Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. And from the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast informs, educates, and illuminates the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Dioro. Thank you, Charlotte. For our guest today, let's welcome Jay Jeffers, interior designer extraordinaire for sure. Jay is founder of Jay Jeffers Incorporated and author of Collected Cool and Be Bold. He's received numerous honors, including being named to El Decor's A-List, and his work has been widely featured by notable shelter magazines, national newspapers, and show houses. Jay's uh, retail showroom, Jay Jeffers, The Store, in San Francisco, California, offers a finely honed collection of bespoke furniture, along with beautiful objects discovered during his travels. For more information, feel free to visit jjeffers.com. Again, jjeffers.com. Dot com. Hello, Jay. We're honored and uh, truly excited to have you on the Modern Architect Show today. Thanks very much, Tom. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we couldn't wait to get you here. We're looking at uh, Charlotte, our audio engineer, is also looking at your site as we speak. It's stunning, huh, Charlotte? There she thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> Double thumbs up. Actually, quadruple thumbs up. Excellent. Jay, I'd like to start off with uh, early inspirations, if you will. What I mean by that mm-hmm. is, if you can look back as far as you can recall... Did you see yourself as a designer? What really captured your uh, imagination, your inspiration Mm -hmm. to design? Yeah, in a way, I think I've been a designer my whole life, but also in another way, you know, growing up, I grew up in Texas. I didn't really know that the world of interior designers existed. My mother always decorated our home, and, you know, I was always rearranging furniture and that sort of thing. (laughs) But I knew about architects. So, you know, I designed my dream home, I think, when I was seven years old because we had a one story house. I really wanted a two-story house, and so I designed what that was going to look like. It was very big and boxy, but it had stairs going up to the second floor, and I was very excited about that. And then sort of going through school, I actually applied to what I thought was the architecture program at the University of Texas, and I clicked the wrong box. I clicked the architectural engineering application, which I was accepted to, (laughs) but I didn't realize until I was probably about a month away from starting school that I was accepted to the architectural engineering program. Uh I couldn't switch, and it was a five-year program, so I would have had to start my sophomore year. So I literally, this sort of changed the trajectory of the rest of my life because I said, okay, I'm just going to go to business school instead Uh then. 
Wow. <laughs> you know, how was that? I mean, how did that feel knowing that you had to make that switch? Was it something like, oh, yeah, I'm glad to you do know, this? I or it was like a ah, kind of bummer in a way? Or at what? the time, I think I was really disappointed, but I okay. was also sort of like, I'm not going to school for six years. And I think my parents were also like, you're not going to school for yeah. six years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you've yeah. got four years and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it was, you know, it was definitely sort of, I, I think I struggled in, in, when I was at University of Texas. I think I struggled to find sort of what my path was going to be. And I don't think I probably would have had that struggle had I'd been in architecture school and fell in, like, not fell into, but with the business degree, I took a marketing class, a marketing and promotions class, and it was creative and interesting and fun. And I was like, okay, this is my path. I'm going to be in marketing. I'm going to be in advertising. I'm going to be the next Hal Ryan and start my own advertising oh, yeah. agency. That was sort of like, wow, yes. what a name. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. That's a blast from the past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's going to be my path. So I got a dual degree in business and international business and marketing. Oh, this is a segue I wasn't planning on, but that's <laughs> totally relevant to our show is how important do you feel that the business aspect and the business facet, the marketing, the promotion is to design? I think it's very important. Okay. I mean, I think it it tremendously helped me in the beginning of my career, especially because I didn't work for sort of a pedigree firm. You know, I started my business when I was 30 years old. I worked for my, my mentor, who was also a friend who had a small design firm, and was, I learned so much from him. But I really didn't, when I started my own firm, you know, nobody knew who I was. So I had a background in marketing. And when I moved to San Francisco, I thought I was going to be working for an ad agency, and there was there were really no jobs at the time. But I ended up getting a job, which was you know to me a dream job, at the Gap, working at at their corporate headquarters in advertising, and that was sort of like okay, this is my path, this is where I'm going to go. And I quickly realized when I was doing that that a while the Gap was a fantastic company to work for at the time, you know it wasn't. I didn't want to be in a corporate environment. I knew I wanted to be to have my own business of some sort, and I didn't know what the that was. And B, my job within advertising was not creative and I needed to do something that was creative. And I ended up taking a class at night. There was a Berkeley extension program that um, had I was going to take a painting class, and I was literally flipping through a course schedule. There was no internet back then, and <sighs> felt there was an interior design class, like an intro to interior design, that was starting the next week. And I called, and there was space available in the class, and took the class. And it was sort of one of these. It was it was taught by an architect whose name I don't remember now, but it was one of these sort of you got a little bit of art history, a little bit of architectural history, a little bit of decorating, a little bit of like materials, a little bit of everything. And I just was like. It was the first time in my life that I could see myself making a living doing something that I loved. We're speechless. We're not supposed Key, to be. We're not supposed to be. I know. Key word to find that. You can do something. That's what Johnny Carson yeah. used to say. He used to say, well, I know everybody's jealous of me because I fell into this when I was like, I think he was a teenager practically. Yeah. You know, and it was just what it was perfect to do. So, wow, congratulations. Not everybody can say no, that. No, not is it, JJ. You know, <laughs> I've just recently found mine, which is we're doing it yeah. <laughs> as we speak, talking yeah. to you. Know, well, everybody, you, every, yeah. you know, it takes people are on different paths. And I think, you know, you can yeah. have a, a million career changes and find what makes you passionate, passionate later in life. I feel I feel lucky. I feel fortunate. I also think I had a drive to figure out what that was. It sort of stressed me out as someone in my 20s to not know 
what my path was going to be in life. I didn't like it. You know, uh, some people go and travel the world. Some people go and like just work a job and then live for the weekends. And I just didn't. I wanted to find that thing that made me happy going to work. Yeah. What was your peer structure like at that time, going through that sort of struggle initially? Yeah. And, you know, I had a partner at the time who was really incredibly supportive and was very much like, I want you to find what's right for you and was very instrumental in that. I had parents who were incredibly supportive in that world, too. And, you know, my mother sort of when I decided to go back to school, I had an incredible boss also at The Gap and went and talked to her and said, you know, I'm thinking about going back to school. I would need to cut down my work time here and not work for The Gap as much. Like, are you okay with that? And she's like, I'm okay with that. I have to get the approval. And she did. Mm -hmm. I had a friend that was an interior designer who I ended up working for for many years. And I called him up. He was a one-man show. And I was like, can I just like come hang out at your office and see what it's like? And he would literally come and pick me up from my job at The Gap and take me to client meetings and presentations and showroom shopping for furniture. And he opened a store and through my marketing background and expertise, expertise, but my marketing, you know, uh, experience, I got the store into like Architectural Digest and El Decor and, and all the magazines, which at the time were just everything that helped the store sort of propel itself. So ended up working for him for probably three or four years and learning so much and going back to school. I didn't get another degree, but went back to school for a couple of years, sort of learning, getting the basics. And then in 19, July 15th of 1999, because I just had my 20 year anniversary, um, I started my firm. Night. That's outstanding. You know, it sounds like, Jay, that you're um, divinely guided, for lack of a better term. Divinely guided, but you listen as well. Is, mm-hmm. is, is there a, a, you know, a meditative practice or something that you do that guides you that's just be, not, beyond even the visual? I call it rosé. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. It's a form? Yeah. No, I, um, yeah there, there's I a, don't know. I think There's an energy you're tapped into that, that you're able to, um, I notice you're able to listen to. Yeah. It, it is something that I've, I think throughout my career, I've thought about things internally until I'm ready to do them. And when I'm ready to do them, if I say them out loud, you know, 99% of the time, I'm going to make it happen. And I don't, you know, I have a lot of ideas that I don't externalize. I They're internal. And I, it's not until I've gone through the thought process of like, okay, how am I going to make this happen? And, and who are the players, et cetera. And that's when I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. And then when I say it out loud, it's going to happen. That's powerful. That is it, powerful. it really is. Yeah. So you, you're, you're your own self-mantra, your own self-guru, in effect. In a way. Yeah, in a uh, way. Yeah. You know, you're always evolving, of yeah. course. And speaking of that, evolving, is uh, your book, if you don't mind mm-hmm. talking, let's talk about sure. your uh, Be Bold. Yes. I mean, that's the title of your book, is yes. Be Bold. Share with uh, your audience today how uh, sure. you came up with that. This is, uh, this is my second book. Okay. My first book was called Collected Cool, and I didn't even realize that I had the two C's and that one and the two B's and this one until, oh, yeah, you're until it, it up, came huh? out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I worked with Gib Smith on this book, the the publisher, and they were really great to work with. And I wanted I wanted a title that was not sort of you know evocative interiors and that sort of thing. I just felt like that there was an opportunity to say something here. And and originally I wanted there to be some sort of word about you know working for families, because the majority of the interiors in this book are for people that have children in between the mm. ages of like you know one month to sixteen years 
old and there's no sacrifice of design. You don't have to wait for your kids to be older. I mean, there are certain things you want to not do, of course, but everybody here took chances and risk and wanted something different in their homes, you know, in a way. I know that I'm creating people's dream homes, and and a lot of these, a lot of my clients, they're they're people that they never thought they would have such a home, mm. and you know I take that very seriously. And you know there are opportunities. There are a million ways you can design or decorate your home these days. You can go to Restoration Hardware. You can do it all yourself. You can hire a designer to help you with just you know finishing touches. You can hire somebody like me who will see it all the way through to completion. And my clients are willing to take risks here and there, and sometimes more. Risk than they even think that would be possible for them. And then when they see it, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I said yes to you. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how that was going to turn out, but I really love what you did kind of thing. Excellent. Brings us to uh, Charlotte, uh, one of our guests, Ron Baker, a CPA of all people, had said that the risk, um, that's where the profit is. And then pro- not just profit um, uh, fiscally or financially, but the profit in your own personal growth. Do you experience that or uh, with your clients as well, like what it's like before and after? Uh, Oh, sure. I think, yeah, you know, like I said, a lot of times, you know, I've worked for a lot of the tech people in the world who are literally in, you know, 800 square foot apartment that they've been renting for seven years and they're moving into, you know, a 5,000 square foot home that we're completely remodeling. So there's no sort of in between, which is very sort of unique to, I think, you know, the Bay Area and, and Silicon Valley. So the way their lives change and the way a home, you know, this not only is a home for them to enjoy for themselves and to enjoy the fruits of their labor and all the work that they've put into a company that they may have sold or or has been successful, but it's also, you know, a place for entertaining, a place for raising a family if they don't have one already, a place for giving back to the community and, you know, holding events and different things like that. So, you know, a home... You know, one of my favorite things is when I finish designing a home because it's a project for me, you know, and when that project is over and my clients move in and I'll, most of my clients are clients for life, but sometimes I may not hear from them for a year or two. You know, my I have a gray envelope that sends all of our invoices and many of my clients have said, I'm really excited not to see your gray envelopes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame them. <laughs> Did they really? Yes. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> More than one have said that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. <laughs> But they're happy with the results, and now I can't can't remember what I was going to say. But they are clients for life, and but I love going back to a home. Like if I haven't been there in six months, and people are living there, and you you know you might see dishes in the sink and kids running around, and it's not just the perfect project where we left it, and it's living and it's breathing, and it's you know the the gardens are starting to grow in and those kind of things. I absolutely love that. Yeah, you know that. If, if we, I know you said it a couple times, but let's touch on that. You have clients for life. You know, most mm-hmm. people have clients for maybe two, three, five years, mm-hmm. and then it just goes away for whatever reason. And if they if they felt the kinship, then they continued on. Mm -hmm. But you said most of my clients are for life. Mm -hmm. So you're involved in their their life as human beings. Sure. What does that feel like? I mean, that's that's rare. It's uh, it's a pretty amazing feeling, you know, seeing you know children grow up in a house that you might have created a nursery, and you know they're getting older now, and you realize your own mortality. Although <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't aged a bit, <laughs> and it's true for audience, it's true. Yeah. No, it's an amazing thing, and I have you know I'm working on. I have a client who has moved probably five times, and I've helped her. You know, her first apartment, we completely remodeled the entire thing, and I've probably helped her along in every apartment. And some of the furniture we did, 
20 years ago is still in her home today, which I think is amazing. And a few things have been replaced or, you know, the sofa was in the living room is now in the family room. And, you know, the, the, she finally replaced her headboard that she's had for 15 years. So I just love seeing, you know, my design has evolved and changed and I think everyone's lives evolve and change. And so it's kind of amazing to have these people to end along the journey with you. <laughs> now, how do you gauge, well, that's too strong a word, but when you meet a prospective client for the first time and they tell you, here's kind of what I think I want, how, is there a process, mental process, or even a formal one that you go through to, to, uh, identify here's kind of what I think they really want. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? If you, if they, if you have a formal process like that, it's interesting because I think in, especially in the beginning of my career, I didn't have a body of work that people saw as much. They were really sort of hiring me on a personality or a referral or a meeting or that sort of thing. So getting into their heads and they may have had a very different idea of what they wanted than what, you know, I do. I can do any kind of design. I can do very traditional. I can do very modern. I can do that sort of thing. But like if somebody wanted an uber traditional style home, I may not be the best designer mm. for them. There are other people that probably do it better. But I think as I've developed a body of work, people see that. And I often have clients say, you know, there's nothing specific on your website that I want exactly, which I am happy that they recognize it and still call me because I think, I hope mm -hmm. that they notice that every project is different. But I think also they see, you know, that, that the projects are rather bold and interesting and they can have a lot of color or just a little bit of color. And so it's kind of like up to the clients to give me direction and we'll get into their heads, ask questions, you know, ask about who they are, look at their current home, look at furniture that they may be, if we're moving into a new house, they maybe want to keep, um, versus what goes away, you know, are there family heirlooms? Are there things that we're keeping, you know, how they live their lives, you know, are they big and entertainers? Are they completely private and nobody's going to be in the house? You know, that sort of thing. Excellent. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. We want to tell you about KidMob, which is a nonprofit mobile, like mobile, kid-integrated design firm. Guided by a diverse and talented team of designers, architects, contractors, and engineers, KidMob, K-I-D-M-O-B, works with young people using project-based learning to address school and community needs. This is done through a variety of workshops, consulting, co-creation of curriculum, and much more. For additional information or to donate, visit KidMob.org. That's KidMob.org. We're talking today with Jay Jeffers. Interior designer extraordinaire and founder of J. Jeffers Incorporated. For more information, feel free to visit jjeffers.com. Again, jjeffers.com. Jay, you know, I noticed on, on your website and you, uh, through a lot of national publications, your work. What I found interesting, and maybe you, you may disagree with this, but I noticed that you have a great a breadth of range, meaning there's not one particular style or signature, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's very, it's timeless one, and there's, again, it's, it has great range, and it doesn't look like you're imposing your design style or your uh, agenda with your clients. Mm -hmm. Is that by design or is it just like a... That's by design. Okay. I, um, you know, when I was first going back to school, I read a book by Billy Baldwin, who was an, a New York des designer in the 60s and 70s. And there was one thing he said in there. He said, you know, this is a project for me. And when I 
if someone walks into a home and says, Billy Baldwin designed this home, then I wasn't doing my job because mm-hmm. the home should reflect the people that live there, who they are, what they're all about, you know, that sort of thing. So that has been a mantra of mine forever. And I think it's really important. You know, I think that, you know, you want to, clients live their lives in their homes differently. And some are, you know, extremely private. Some have, you know, art collections and they want the art to play the lead role. And so the furnishings need to be quieter. Some clients, you know, are crazy and want everything (laughs) to be fun and out there. Some clients are like, you know, you know, we designed the adult entertainment room down in the basement because the kids were on the upstairs floor. So when they're sleeping, everybody goes downstairs to the bar and like can have the, the music blaring and that sort of thing while the kids are still sleeping. And some are like, my kids are everywhere with me and this needs to be family friendly throughout the entire home. So it's, I think it's important and, you know, style and color and furnishings and all those things play a role into all of that. That's very, um, from my experience, it's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. There has to be a lot of internal landscaping, (laughs) no pun intended, uh, (laughs) for the first show that has to go on for you. Like Mm -hmm. you have to find out what your own, um, ignorances and insecurities are so that you don't project them onto your client. That's almost twice the work as if you just said, Hey, here's my signature style and you like it or you don't. Yeah. And I know from, for music as well, there's a few music producers that produce music and you know, Oh, that's a certain sound. Mm -hmm. And then there are those that are considered great that like, you don't know that they did it. when you look in their, the the album or CD or whatever, you're like, they produce this. So you want to be there. I mean, yeah. so it means that much to you to be that complete. It's more difficult, by, yeah. for sure. But to me, it's more fun. It's like every project is a new job. You know, I'm starting something over again. I'm learning something. I'm, you know, developing something or I'm developing something, you know, another idea that a client said no to. I'm like, oh, this client would be perfect for that idea that I've been dying to do for the last 10 years and no one said uh-huh. yes. <laughs> oh, really? You know? That, that does happen. So you'll take oh, absolutely. 10 years even? Oh, gosh, I've had, you know, I still have tear sheets of magazines and, you know, once in a while I'll flip through those and I'll be like, oh, that I forgot about that. I've been wanting to do that forever. That stair detail or that, you know, (sighs) architectural thing or the way the sink lays out in the bathroom or something like that. Sure. Uh, How far back do you reach just to your library? So you may, in essence, kind of forgotten more than you know, in a way. Yes, that's I mean, that's literally my those tear sheets are like once a year, I'll go back through those and just just to try to get inspired or if I'm like trying to get inspired and haven't found it in my usual Pinterest rabbit holes that I do on a Sunday, you know, with, with three cups of coffee or something, yeah, yeah, okay. something along the lines of that. Yeah. So you have to be still with it in yes. effect. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, is, I don't know if you have a pro, is it weekly, monthly or whenever it kind of strikes you, you know what I need to. I think it's the sort of discovery. It's really project based. It's it's funny. I am working on, I have a couple of product lines that have come out and a company called Arteriors. We're working on our third line for them. And literally last week went through 30,000 iPhone photos because over time, like for the last six or seven years, I just take photos of things like as when I'm traveling, oh, this is cool. Oh, that's cool. So I literally spent a week, you know, I'd go through like, you know, a thousand photos and then stop and go through a thousand more. And, and that has culminated into a design charrette that I just had with my team, you know, with their inspiration, my inspiration, that sort of thing. So, you know, inspiration is, is everywhere, but it really is for me, it's project based. You know, I may be working on a new project that is very specific to something, you know, like we're working on a project in 
Northridge, Michigan, that is a log cabin that was built in 19, Are you kidding? 1915, wow. I think. Yeah, for clients that live in the East Bay, but they've bought this historic house. So, you know, I I don't have a whole lot of inspiration for that. <laughs> but yeah. then, that's when you yeah. sort of go and start looking for it and finding things that are of interest. And, you know, we, we just found out recently that the house was originally built for Hollis Baker, who started Baker Furniture. I'm like, well, we have oh, to find geez, we have to yeah. find vintage Baker Furniture to put in this house, of course. Yeah. But that level of discovery is... Um I'm getting tired even hearing it. <laughs> not, not of you, but just thinking like what is involved in it and how much you bring to a client yeah. that they, there's just no way some, anybody has that sort of time, passion, or uh, interest to bring all that out. But you do. Yeah. And it, well, it's our job, you know, okay. it's our job and we take it seriously. And, uh, you know, most of my clients, you know, the quintessential thing they say to me in an interview is that I know what I like when I see it. I just don't know mm. how to find it or what it looks like, but I know what I like when I see it. And I love that. I want a client. I would much rather have a client that wants to be involved in the process than one that says, here's about, I mean, I wouldn't say no to a client that says, here's a bunch of money, just go do it. <laughs> Certainly. But I, I enjoy the client that's like, what about this? And I like this. And when we present materials to a client for a house that's being built, you know, we, we always present options and things for them to choose from so that they feel like they've really been a part of it. You know, we're just taking the thousands and thousands and thousands of options that are out there and reducing it down to like the five best or the three best. And we do the same with furnishings. So our clients are involved in what they've chosen for their home. Yeah. Back again to your, uh, your book, Be Bold. Are most of your clients, would you say, bold in, in effect, although in their different styles and fl different flair, but absolutely, really? I think they're all okay. bold in in their own ways. You know, some in the world of business, some just life themselves are full of energy, and I feel very fortunate that I've had some really incredible clients that have become lifelong friends for for many years. Um, and yes, they all are bold in their own unique way, for sure. Oh, that's that's a, that's outstanding. Again, not every field has that type of. Uh, that clientele and, uh, or, and even to be of service of that people of that caliber, I can imagine. Fortunate. Like, we're fortunate to have you here. Yeah. Now, talk about your furniture line as well. How did that come about? Was that accidental or no? Did you always envision, hey, you know, I, I Well, I've I always designed something? things. I've always designed things for clients privately. You know, we've, even from the beginning, either I couldn't find something that I really wanted to make or I just kind of felt like it was important for the client to have something that was specially made for them. So that's been a part of my design repertoire forever. This Arteriors line, Arteriors is a company based in uh, Dallas, Texas. Mark Musa is the owner who's who's become a dear friend, and I ended up designing his home in Dallas, and we're working on a project in Aspen now as well. But we met happenstance. We met at an event, and then we also were at, over New Year's in Zihuatanejo, Mexico, there's this tiny hotel that I go to every year that literally has 28 rooms. And I look across, I was having breakfast there one day. It's very quiet. It's very private. It's, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, a lot going on, but it's just beautiful. I look across the breakfast room and there's Mark Musa sitting there with his girlfriend, Juliet, now wife, Juliet. And so we ended up hanging out for a week that we were there in the pool and like just chatting and really got to know both of them and really liked them a lot. And I think what I found out later is I was on a short list to be considered by Arteriors for doing a guest 
designer line for them. Oh. And I guess when Mark went back, he said yes. So, <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah. they contacted <laughs> me. We and the first line was sort of a capsule collection based on entertaining. It was mm. cocktail tables and ice buckets and things like that that our terriers didn't have a lot in their repertoire at the time which was fairly successful. And then we did another line that was more upholstery. They were just introducing upholstery, upholstery-based case goods, more entertaining, you know, and they're very well-known for their lighting. So we did some lighting pieces and things like that. Yeah. The Hotel Mexico, is that the one, uh, one of the articles I read about with you was... Uh was it Mexico City? There's, no. a, there was a small one that just says one of your favorite La hotels. La Casa Que Canta. Okay. Yes. Yeah, in, I want to ask you. In Zihuatanejo, Mexico. What, why is it that it's one of your favorites? What, what does it have that you uh, enjoy so much? It is, first of all, it is, you know, chic and amazing and beautiful. It's authentic to Mexico. It does not feel like you're anywhere else. Whereas I think sometimes when a larger hotel is built, you know, a Rosewood or that sort of thing, that you could be in any other place in the world. It's very authentic to Mexico and the coast. The weather is perfection. It's my husband and I have gone there for, I think this will be our 14th year this year for New Year's. And we're there for a week. And it's just like the perfect rejuvenation for getting into the next year. You know, it's not a big party scene. I mean, half the time that we've been there, we wake up when we hear the fireworks at midnight because we haven't oh. been awake for it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's normally that quiet that so the fireworks will wake you yeah, up. Yeah, it's pretty quiet. But it's also, you know, <laughs> the same people go every year. So about half of the rooms, we know all the people that are going and about half of the rooms are new people. And and everybody has it. It's the same thing. Everybody has a really interesting story about how they found out about the hotel, how they, you know, because it's not something Thing that's on everyone's radar. Yeah. And that's the, the word you just said there kind of describes a lot of the look that, that I've seen from your work is there's an authenticity. Mm-hmm. So it looks again, if you're going to say, <laughs> shut up, Tom here, but like you're capturing the authenticity of your, your clients mm-hmm. as best as you can. Yeah. I've always said that I think that, you know, you have to pay attention to three things are very important in in design. And one is the architecture. You know, what is it? Is it a modern house? Is it traditional? Is it trying to be something else? You know, is it a traditional house that you're remodeling the interiors to be modern? That's part of it. Geographic location. Is it on a beach? Is it in a mountain? Is it in the city? Is it, you know, and I think materials play a role in that. Like, I have a pet peeve of putting polished chrome in a mountain. <laughs> Mountain home. I just think it looks so. Okay, I, guess. I think it looks yeah. so stupid. You know, you've got like it's crazy. That's very city, not very mountain. And then the third thing is the clients. You know, and how they live their lives and what their what their function and what their desires are for this house. How, now, again, to your well, there's a couple things. Let's go to your book again mm-hmm. and be bold. How long did it take before? Uh, uh, actually, let's let's go with the beginning. When did you say, you know what, I want to do another book? I don't remember when that was, but it was, you know, year before last, probably. This book actually happened very quickly. I have an amazing book agent, Jill Cohen, in New York, who got me the deal, the first book. I was at a design conference in Venice, Italy, and literally rode with her from the airplane, the water taxi to our hotel, rode with her. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I do books, and da 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 And she's like, well, send me your stuff. I was like, oh, I've never done a book before. I don't know. She's like, well, send me your stuff. And I sent her all of my projects. And she calls me immediately. She's like, we're doing a book. And that that was the first book. And that took a little bit longer to figure out. Uh, Rizzoli was the publisher. They had a big line of of books to be published, that sort of thing. I learned from that one. And I used, except for, I think, two 
two projects in this book. I used the same photographer. And every time I finished a project, you know, almost sometimes even before the client moved in, I photographed the project immediately. So there's a consistency. And I worked with Matthew Millman was the photographer for most of this. There's a consistency throughout this. And when it came time to do this book, you know, I worked with Jill again. I sent her all of my information, all of the projects that I'd done. And she was like, okay, we've, you know, we've got another book in what you have. And we ended up actually cutting probably five or six projects out of it because we had been fairly prolific in our work over the last five years. Great word, actually. (laughs) Prolific. Yes. So you literally had to cut back. Yeah. Because there was that... So there may be another one sometime. I'm sure there will be. Yeah. Yeah. And and your furniture line, again, do you have a vision for it in the future? I know you're working on it now, but is there anything you... You know, five years from now that you can see where where you'd like to take it in addition to where you already are? Well, I would like to expand. I, you know, fabrics are a huge part of our design, obviously, but also a starting point for us sometimes, you know, what the color scheme is and what the fabrics look like and that sort of thing. So I would love to do a fabric line. I think that's probably on my radar at some point in the near future. All of you um, fabric there, manufacturers out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you heard it here first. Um you know, I'm really excited about this next line with arteriors. We're focusing a little bit more on the lighting part of it, but we're doing some case goods and some upholstery and that sort of thing too. I'm really excited about, I have a door hardware line that just came out at the beginning of this year with a company called Accurate Lock and Hardware out of uh, Connecticut. And they are, they sort of are the Rolls Royce of all the inner workings of the door. They've never had a consumer product. They work for all the other door manufacturers to create all the locking systems and all the inner workings that, you know, make your doors work perfectly. And so I'm the first designer they're working with to bring something to the consumer market. So we're really excited about that. We launched it in May. And, How do you um, get the inspiration for the doors and the locks? I mean, is it it's just in your mind's eye or just projects or p- things you've seen? You know, I have some a, super talented people. People that I work with in my office, and there are a couple of people that, you know, their inspiration comes from other places. Like in our design charrette, Andy in our office, he had, you know, some incredible, you know, jewelry and things like that that became that we're looking at it, we're like, okay, this is inspiration for a light fixture and that sort of thing. And I would have never brought jewelry to the table for a, a design charrette. <laughs> yeah. So it comes from like everybody's bringing something to the table and then we all are sort of like sketching and drawing and looking at it and seeing what relates to each other and it just becomes what it becomes. Super. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Well, Jay, I have to comment that I feel like I'm talking to a lightning bolt. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's like a force of nature. Well, I'm going to tell you about hip housing home sharing. HIP housing enables people with special needs, either due to income or circumstance, to live independent, self-sufficient lives in decent, safe, low-cost homes. HIP housing's home sharing program helps match homeowners or renters who have extra space with people who live, work, or attend school in San Mateo County and need housing. Home sharing is one more way that hip housing helps meet local housing challenges. For more, visit hiphousing.org. We're talking today with Jay Jeffers, interior designer extraordinaire. I added that on there, but it's appropriate. <laughs> and founder of Jay Jeffers Incorporated. For more information, 
feel free to visit jjeffers.com. Again, jjeffers.com. Back again to the hardware and where, where those that inspiration goes. Mm-hmm. Do you go, how do you go, do you go back to previous clients or existing clients and say, hey, look, here's what I'm doing? Or is it, how do you send the message of the dynamics of how you keep evolving and uh, offering value to them? How do you, how do you keep in touch with them? That's a good question. I sometimes I'm not very good about keeping in touch. If I haven't heard from people in a while, we might we might lose touch a little bit, and they'll end up calling when something like you know they want to change their sofa or or draperies or, or that sort of thing. But also, you know, I try having my marketing background. I should really be better at the marketing part of it, but you know, it's one of those things that always falls off the radar these days. But I try to send out newsletters that you know, you know, once a quarter or so. We call it the JDAR that kind of you know gives people here's what's going on or a new project or hardware line or that sort of thing. I will fully admit it's, I think it's been a year since I've sent one out, but you know, those, that's that's sort of like, it seems like the way to stay in touch these days. And I just hope that people are looking at my Instagram or that sort of thing. Cause I feel like that's the only place that we're sort of letting everybody know what's going on in our world right now. Yeah. By the way, I, I look forward to your Instagrams. Oh. Yeah, a lot of them are just okay, okay, okay. Even even of relatives, <laughs> but 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 yours are like okay. There's always going to be something interesting. So do you plan those Instagram shots or no? Sometimes they are. Or so, sometimes happen, sometimes yeah. plan, sometimes not. You know, we my 20th anniversary was. Was that last week or the week before? The week before, I think. 20 years. Congrats. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So I I went through all of my previous photos of things and like I basically took a stroll down memory lane and put a bunch of stuff together. So I did a bunch of posts on old projects and clients that I've worked with for 20 years and, and things like that, which was really fun. 20 years. Yeah. Do you have a, can you recall a first client like that you, that you work with and you still are in connection with them? Yeah. You don't have to name names unless you'd like to. Well, one of my first clients was Mary Lou Castellanos, who uh, she's who I was referring to earlier that we did her home. And she was the first home that I that I professionally shot. And she's probably moved six times and we're working on her apartment now. And some of her furniture we're bringing along and some of it not. And Angelina Umansky is another one is a really good friend of mine. She owns spa. She owns a spa radiance in San Francisco. And I've designed the spa, I think, three or four times now. Uh, It moved locations, probably 15 or 20 years ago. And and she actually hired me originally when I was working for Richard Witzel before I even started my own firm. So I've been working with her for probably 21 or 22 years. Yeah. And we've probably done four homes for her and, and the spa three times. And so... Yeah. How how about the commercial? Is that something that you obviously do? I do. I don't know if it's a focus or a... I do a little bit of it, you know, but I really, I enjoy the residential part of it so much. I really enjoy getting into the client's head. I mean, it's, I think it's, well, I say it's more difficult, but I haven't done that much work in commercial because I know when you get into commercial too, you've got a lot of decision makers that you've got to convince that your ideas are good. I did a bar called Wild Hawk for the Plump Jack Group in San Francisco, and that was really fun to do. I've done some model work for um, residential developers like we did the Ritz-Carlton private residences in Tahoe, which was really fun to do. We did the Avery, the related properties. They just opened a new building called the Avery in San Francisco, and we did the penthouse model for them. For me, it's a synergy with who the developers are, and if they are, you know, if if the focus is on 
good quality products. Like I don't, I don't design, you know, the, the, when I do a model home for these kind of developers, they buy the furniture. I'm not a stager, so I'm not going to come in and rent a bunch of furniture or put furniture in there that then comes out. So they're buying the furniture. We tried, I want it to feel like someone actually lives there. And it was interesting. The president of a related companies, when we just launched this, he came up to me and he said, where is all this art from? This is real art. It's not like it's from a model. And Lisa Chadwick, who owns Dolby Chadwick Gallery in San Francisco, is a very good friend of mine. And she's done this for me several times where we have done an art program throughout a model. And it changes everything. You know, the accessories. When I was doing the Ritz-Carlton, the owner of the company then, he said, you know, I want people to, when they walk through this, I really want them to want to steal all the accessories. I don't want want it to be like, you know, these cheap little things that are put in there, like plastic things that a stager Uh would do. And I was like, yes! Uh You know, that's when there's a synergy there, then it's, it's enjoyable for me. But but the commercial part of it, I don't really know how to make money. I know how to make money for the, yeah. I know how to make a living doing the residential part of it. And I think we've developed a reputation doing it. So the commercial part of it, while I would love to do a hotel, I think, you know, doing a hotel is going to involve somebody coming to me and saying, I want you to do a hotel because of your experience and talent. I don't think it's going to be me. I've tried, I've gone down that path of trying to, you know, get into the world of mm-hmm. bidding for hotels. And I have no idea how to bid for it. I don't, you know, and, and when I have to do a 20 page, you know, thing on fees and I'm just like, uh, I'm already bored. (laughs) Okay. But you can, I have, I love hotels as well. You can, if someone says to you, Jay, you know what? Look, I want a hotel, but I want this hotel to be quite unique on the world. And here's kind of what I do like, and here's what I don't like. Go with it. Yeah. From there, you could. Absolutely. And there has to be that same synergy. You know, like so many developers these days, I think they're thinking about they're going to sell the hotel in five years, or they just want, you know, products to that they that will be remodeled because they're going to, you know, be destroyed in five years. You know, I'm looking to do something, and there are hotels out there in the world that are that have been permanent, that have been there for 50 years, and they get remodeled every 20. And, you know, the soft furnishings change, but the hard furnishings become classic and amazing. And, you know, that's the hotel that I would want to do. Yeah, so really, you could, if you had a, a hotel line and so you had a developer or an owner mm-hmm. who approached you with that, you could come up with a hotel that would be rather iconic rather quickly. I think so. Yeah, a unique I mean, for sure. I mean, but, I know I can, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so any, our developers out there, Charlotte's going to chime in again. Out there, oh, there, there, there are a few. There I are a few. Stay at your iconic hotel. <laughs> well, I have lots of brooding ideas too for my own. So maybe, maybe, oh, you'll, you do. Maybe you'll come and stay at mine someday. I just have to find the money. To, maybe we could do a reality it. show, and we could all just go to your oh. models that you do up, and then it would catch on. I love it. Yeah. So do you, I mean, I don't know if you're at liberty to share with us, but yeah, please do. You're, I'm going to force you on this one. Do you, you must go into spaces or buildings or dwellings where you you envision what can be done, probably even our studios here at Stanford, what can be done to really capture the essence of what it is, the enjoyment of what it can be. Oh, yeah. That and, happens and all the time. Do you ever pop, do you ever say something or are you, are you just kind of keep it to yourself and know, okay, you know, I'm here for a while. I usually and I'm keep it to myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for what? For fear of a, offending? No, no it just depends on what it is and who the, and, and it depends on what it is, where I am, who the players are, you know, if I feel like that I could make an impact that would help, you know, I also sometimes when I'm, 
you know, if I'm traveling or that sort of thing, I don't want it to be like, you know, you should change this and you should <laughs> yeah. hire me to do it kind of a thing. You know? Why not? <laughs> no, no. Really, really. So you do, you have stated places where you know what, what can be improved. Oh, sure. From the customer's perspective. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I have traveled the world and I think that staying in really beautiful hotels is a part of my inspiration. And, you know, I'm so, I'm so lucky that that is a part of my life yeah. because I will go stay in a fantastic hotel. And if I can't afford that hotel the entire time, then I'll go stay somewhere else next and that sort of thing. And sometimes they hit it right on the mark and it's the most incredible experience. And it is an experience. You know, we talk about that these days. It's not just the design. It's also the people that are there and the cocktails that they're serving and how they go about doing it. It's everything. It's the lighting at night. If you have a beautiful hotel and the lighting is not dimmed at night and everybody's like sort of in a fluorescent glow, it's, <laughs> it's not successful. Yeah. It's yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah. And that's most though. I, I well, No, that's the truth. It is true. Yeah, it, it's most of them. So they're lighting could change everything. Every developer out there put all of your lights on dimmers, and I swear to God, more people will come at night for cocktails. It's it will it changes everything. Very true. So you're also looking at it. Uh, with that said, we'll segue into you also can look at the um, the financial advantage of good design. Mm -hmm. It's not just obviously that, that you feel good and you're happy and it's it, it it matches your you know the vision of what you want, but it's actually. It's touching a little bit on the commercial side, but you can actually increase the value of, of yeah. the home or the space. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Share with us. You know, we did, you know, we did uh, um, models for a building in San Francisco called the Pacific, which is was an old dental building that the developers redid. And it's it's an extremely high end building in Pacific Heights. It looks like the lobby is beautiful. I didn't do it, the but it's gorgeous. <laughs> People think Dude. I did, which is fine. <laughs> but it's gorgeous. It feels like you're on Park Avenue. And um, we did three models for them, and the first model sold at the time for, I believe it was $3,750, $3,750 a square foot, which at the time was a record for the highest per square foot condo on the West Coast, you know, and that was a model that we designed. We upgraded some of the finishes. We did the furnishing. So, you know, good design absolutely pays for itself. We have another private client that we did a project for, and it was in a building at 1750 Taylor Street, and we did a gut renovation for these clients, and they don't live in San Francisco, and they really found they didn't use the house so much, and they sold it and made all of their money back. And then the same client sold that a year later because someone had been looking, the person that didn't buy it the first time had been looking and hadn't and came back and said, I haven't found anything in a year of looking what I want more. Will you sell this to me for X dollar amount more? And he said, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. you know, good design, I think does, it absolutely does pay for itself, especially in the Bay Area, you know. You know, if you're if you're designing your dream home and you really overbuild it and you try to sell it in a year, you're not going to get your money back. But if this is your dream home and you put in what you want, what makes you happy, and then you enjoy it, you know, there has to be some value in how much you're going to enjoy it. And you sell it in five years or 10 years or, you know, never, you know, you're, the value of it is absolutely going to increase. There's, there's you know... I can't, I can't put that on my contract as a guarantee, <laughs> yeah. but it's going to. It is. How, do you have clients? I know you have, but share with us some clients that may have said just, you know what, Jay, I don't know really what the heck I want. Here's my house and here's where it is. Just go ahead and do what you think would work. And here's my budget, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you have folks that you work with like that? I have a few, are, are a they, few projects okay. that we've done that over the years. You know, we still 
will say, you know, let us present to you what we're thinking of doing and just see if there are any red flags here at all. And then we can, you know, we can take it and run with it after that. Um, you know, and I think over the years, we sort of developed a niche for doing a lot of bachelor pads. Hmm. And it's that's fun for me because a lot of times those kind of homes that we do, I feel like I can put a little bit more of my personal influence into it because I think about what would I want to, you know, how would I want to live in this space? And a lot of times we're in, we're in sync. That's interesting. Did that happen uh, naturally? Or you just had a lot of bachelors, at least initially, or at some point. I think, asking. yeah, I think it happened. I think it happened naturally. But you know, my um, a lot of my referrals, especially in the early part of my business, were came from real estate agents. So a lot of times it was, you know, a single guy has bought a house. Oh, Jay Jeffers did this house for this guy. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's great. Look at his website. Here it is. And then you know, it just sort of the referral process happened like that. How quickly can that bachelor pad turn into a home? You know, because if you make it oh so gosh. attractive, yes. that, that all of a sudden, they're like, wow, I've, I found the special one. It's yeah. funny because it's happened more than once <laughs> oh, where really? by the time, if it's a two-year project, say a remodel project, yeah. by the time we're done, it's not a bachelor pad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I have a client that we So just, you're a matchmaker in a, exactly, as well. <laughs> exactly. I should start adding that to my repertoire. We did a house We did a house recently for a client, and he was like, well, what if, you know, he's like thinking about it as we're designing. He's like, well, what if I, you know, what if I meet somebody and she's, you know, I get involved with her and she doesn't like it. I'm like, well, you're not dating anybody now. No, I'm not dating anybody. Then do what you want. Like say, this is my house. It's not going to be so offensive and we could change a few things here and there down the road. And so he was like, okay, okay, okay. So we did, we did what he wanted and, and it's a beautiful apartment. And then we went to photograph it and there's a whole set of clothing from somebody else. Oh no, no. And I'm like, oh my God, he's already found somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So I think he just manifested it. I think he just got this house done to find somebody. So I don't know if they're still together or not, but yeah, well, you, you're, you're part of that magic to, to make that happen. This is the modern architect KZSU 90.1 FM Stanford. Jay, you make all this sound so easy. I have an incredible team that makes me look like a star. I will tell you that it's oh not my. easy. It's a lot, 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 lot of work and, um, they, they get it done. What an exciting life. I want to be a fly on your iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) I think they have that app. (laughs) Okay, now I'm going to tell you something I think is very exciting. Okay. The SF Zoo and Gardens. Now, whether you're listening to this and you're from San Francisco or you're on your way coming here or you just wish to be in San Francisco, (laughs) your San Francisco Zoo and Gardens is a 100-acre park, 100-acre classroom, and 100-acre conservation resource center. You're invited to see more than a thousand exotic, endangered, and rescued animals. San Francisco residents, seniors, and active retired military receive discounts on admissions. And children three years and younger are free. So the zoo is open every day of the year. And for more information, you just visit sfzoo.org. That's San Francisco Zoo and Gardens. It's a jungle out there. Oh, well said. We're talking today with Jay Jeffers, interior designer extraordinaire and founder of Jay Jeffers Incorporated. For more information, feel free to visit jjeffers.com. Again, jjeffers.com. Let's segue naturally with that zoo. Jay, (laughs) even if we, can you improve the zoo? If you were asked to, really. Sure. I mean, we're really reaching on this show, but why? Yeah. You could. Of course. 
and the experience. Dim the lights. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Dim the lights. <laughs> so even for that experience from the, what was it, three-year-old? I think three's, three or three? Sure. Yeah, three, three-year-olds are free. So from three to yeah. 100. I mean, You yes. could make that experience even more. You could. I mean, why not? And it's it all comes down to, you know, the experience is, what is it? It's materials. It's your pathways that you're going through to get to the spaces. It's the spaces themselves. It's, you know, you know. Does the zoo have incredible food? Does the zoo have a place, you know, for the kids to go play? As we a went off the rails a little bit, Jay. We, we've gone to ri- off the rails. Sorry. I hope the mayors yeah. are listening. I mean, we, we went off the rails on the show a little I've bit. I've never been to right. the San Francisco Zoo, I'll admit. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. Okay, already. yeah. <laughs> nice. I love the disclaimer. Um, but you address that. So there is. You're already saying that the possibility is there. So you're ready to be bold. Sure. Yeah. Jay, who was your inspirations? I mean, if you can name a few, you don't have to, if you want to name them, please, but if not, but who kind of keeps you inspired now to keep doing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the great work that you do? I think that I have always been like a complete, you know, fan of interior design. When I started going back to school, there's a design doyen of San Francisco, Diane Doran Sakes is her name. And she actually was the first person that ever wrote about me in uh, the San Francisco Chronicle when she wrote for the Chronicle of like a young designer to watch, Brave New Talent, I think it was called. But really, Brave New Talent. Mm-hmm. See, there's that bold again. Yes. But she used to hold classes at Berkeley Extension when I was there, and she would have local people come and talk, and it was an all-day class, and back then, you literally, they literally showed slides of their work. It was people like Gary Hutton and Suzanne Tucker and Paul Wiseman and... Oh, Paul, one of our great guests. Yeah, 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 and I was just such a fan, and that's Paul. Paul Wiseman is the first person I'd ever heard talk about Vasoski Carpeting, that this oh. incredible company that we now have worked with on many projects. But I was such a fan of, like, all of their work and, you know, sort of aspired to be like these people, you know, and then, you know, Billy Baldwin, as I mentioned earlier, David Hicks was a huge inspiration of mine. David Hicks was the first person that the first designer that I went and found old books of his and he became very popular probably 10 years ago. And so and reintroduced new books. But it was the first time I'd ever seen these really grand homes designed in sort of a graphic, interesting, you know, out of the box way with color and pattern and and fabrics and things like that. And it made me realize that, you know, if you're living in a traditional environment, you don't have to be completely traditional. That's not there's not, there are no rules that say you have to live that way. And I think Kelly Worser was a, has been a giant influence of mine. She, you know, I was really into mid-century modern furniture. I would say probably before it became more of the the norm. Mm. And for me, it was probably because it was cheap at the time, and I could buy it and reupholster it and make it look cool for myself <laughs> and for clients that had no budget when I was starting out and things like that. But Kelly really brought that to the forefront of America. And the first time I remember going in the Viceroy Hotel, the first time I think it had been open for maybe a month, and I didn't know who Kelly Wurstler was. And I was like, who designed this and what is this? And this is the most <laughs> incredible thing I've ever seen. And I still stay there when I go there and it still looks good. It's still inspiring to me. And, you know, Albert Hadley in New York is an incredible inspiration. Charles Zana is a French, I think he's French. <laughs> I should know this. <laughs> you know, there are a lot, Joseph Durant, there are a lot, you know, there's, there's so, so many people have influenced me through yeah. their work over the years from yeah. local to international. What would you recommend to aspiring interior designers or just aspiring business people or entrepreneurs? Uh, and what would you recommend to them who are kind of where you were, if you can put yourself back that where your mid twenties, I think it was. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. where you're like, you know, I'm not sure. I want something more for my life, but I'm not sure exactly kind of where it is. Yeah. What would you share with them? Well, listen, what would you tell your old self? <laughs> I mean, if I do, I do I know that I want to be an interior designer already? Or is, yeah, if you do or you now? don't, or even even, you know, just to be in their own business or practice or as a professional. Yeah. I mean, I think the important thing is to find something that you're passionate about, because then it's not work anymore. If you, you know, and if you don't know what that is, you kind of have to explore what that is. I don't think I really knew that interior design was going to be a passion of mine or something that would become a career until I took that class. And, you know, even though I thought about architecture before, that was sort of completely out of my mind in in my life at the time. So I think finding something that you are passionate about and whether that's, you know, fashion or food or business or finance or whatever it is. And then I think one of the best things that I did was working for a small, tiny little firm that I was able to do everything. Hmm. And, you know, and the other education is going to work for a big firm where you really learn about, you know, working for some of these incredible, you know, iconic clients, you know, the Charles Schwab's of the world, you know, the Fishers and that sort of thing. That's a different type of education. But I think for me, it was really learning every aspect of the design world because then I was able to run a business and be the creative person in the business until I was able to hire other people. Excellent. Charlotte, anything you'd li- else you'd like to add to our show? I know you're kind of... Well, I think the, uh, the only last thing we haven't asked him to do is if he could just uh, take on and mastermind an entire, you know, like 1936 New York World's Fair, which out here was the, ex- oh. you know, the expo, ex- mm-hmm. exposition. Right. And I think that, uh, I think we're overdue. I think society, especially in America, is overdue for that because uh, from my understanding, the 36, 1936 World's Fair was, was hosted or in, really conceived by Mr. Macy. And then he had six of his friends go and buy, uh, you know, bonds on Wall Street. So now they had $20 million and they got the, they got, you know, like a peat, a peat bog that called, that's now called Fleshy Meadows. But they, he, oh, wow. they specifically went to Madison Avenue and they said, okay, you, the designers, you're in charge of this. And see, how long has it been since they've actually said, somebody said, said you, you designers go solve this problem because you are here, Mr. Macy said, you are here, we need you to tell us what does our future look like. Mm-hmm. Like, period. The whole kit and caboodle. And I think we're overdue for that. And oh. so, like, I always, I challenge both of you all. You, you've got all these people on your roster now, Tom. And you could, you <laughs> could be the... Oh, no, Jay, we're on the spot. You could be the, the MC. So let's yeah. spin it up. I think we need a, a, a new... Uh, Another World's Fair here. Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> World's Fair. We could just have it... Well, I mean, I could think of several ways to wrap around the bay. There are a few people that could fund it around here. I'm exactly. Sure. Just a few. Too. <laughs> just a few, but uh, enough to do it. Well, 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 uh, no, interesting challenge. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll work on this. Well, Jay, any, is there anything else that we you'd like to share with your audience today that we may not have uh, touched on or uh, talked about that uh, you'd uh, you'd like to share? I mean, not that I can think of. I think we've, it feels, feels like we've done it all. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Except for the fair. Yeah, Except for the fair. And now we, well, yeah. now we have our challenge. That we yeah, we well, can do. start at the zoo. The zoo can be part of the fair. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, maybe around It can be zoo. a pavilion at the fair, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm sure my phone will be ringing to do a hotel after this. <laughs> yes, I hope. Immediately. It's probably, I think it's buzzing right now. Yeah, we heard some And buzzing. then after the hotel, we'll do the World's Fair. I just want to be go. able to stay in your maze closets. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Jay, it's been an honor and pleasure having you. Thank you so much for being on our show. I hope you you. consider coming back sometime soon. Oh, sure. It was a blast. It was a blast. It was really fun. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. 
I'm Dom Dioro. Our guest today has been Jay Jeffers, interior designer extraordinaire. Jay's founder of Jay Jeffers Incorporated and author of Collected Cool and Be Bold. Jay received his new has received numerous honors, including being named El Decor's A list and uh, El Decor's A list, and has work has been widely featured by notable shelter magazines, national newspapers, and show houses. Jay's retail showroom, Jay Jeffers The Store in San Francisco, offers a finely honed collection of bespoke furniture, along with beautiful objects discovered during his travels. For more information, feel free to visit jjeffers.com. Again, jjeffers.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, designer, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable and beautiful cities, communities, and lives. Charlotte. The Modern Architect is recorded at KZSU Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location throughout California. Today, the recording engineer is Charlotte M. Thornton, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by John Cousins. And the executive producer and the host of The Modern Architect is Tom DiOro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews with an S at kzsu.stanford.edu. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals. Use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.